gentlemen, I am glad you're here. Uh, <laughs> this week, we are joined by Uncle Dane uh, and my yep. beautiful co-host, Matthew Rawlings. And today, um, we have a lot of fun things to talk about. However, we will be taking a moment of silence for our fallen hero, Master Chief. Infinite was delayed. <laughs> Is that your... Wait, that was the thing you wanted to show us? Was the Halo theme song original? <laughs> yeah. I needed to have a moment of silence. It was less so about your reaction and more so your lack of reaction because Chief has fallen. You could have just told us to have doesn't not say anything. Yeah, but it's about respect, Dane. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I guess you're right. I do have the like kind of the I have the 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 aesthetic and the feel you know the feel of the moment yeah i mean i i'm i was looking forward to uh playing halo this year but at the same time i can wait i don't i don't really have a big problem with it i watched the uh the like gameplay footage that they put out looks interesting uh do you know exactly i, I i'm so like i'm so passively interested in halo <laughs> the the new halo at least uh to where i don't I've never really looked into it, but when they say that it's open world, is it like truly open world? Because from the gameplay that they showed, it just kind of seemed like it was open world in the same way that like the first Halo was, you know, where you just kind of like can go a large distance. <laughs> yeah, they haven't shown a whole lot, but I, I think it's it's more like that, but bigger. I, they <laughs> yeah, it's like a even larger level. Like I'm, I'm picturing it's going to be like like a smaller Far Cry 3. Well, I I, I I believe the pitch that 343 uh, went with for this game was like Skyrim plus Halo. And I think it's supposed to be what? a big open world. But in a interview with Larry Herb, Xbox Live's Major Nelson, uh, when he was talking about the game, he uh, he said, theme song. <laughs> fuck you fuck you i was interested yeah Wait, I, did I, he actually he didn't actually say that it's skyrim plus halo because it, from the game no that's that real saw, it definitely doesn't seem like that 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 is know. real that the, it is a real thing what? i read that the pitch for this game was skyrim plus halo um, <laughs> before the game was they developed kept the graphics too yeah well, I, I think that the, <laughs> the graphics were supposed to be in the style of Halo Combat Evolved, but that clearly did not go over well. The style. Well, I mean, if they were targeting Halo Anniversary, they did it. <laughs> yeah, it looks yeah. like about the same as the remaster of uh, of Halo yeah. Combat Evolved, which I loved. I mean, I, I have no problem with it. You know, I mean, it's probably got the same kind of problem. 
I mean, like, it isn't a great comparison because the art style of Breath of the Wild lends so well to the game. But, I mean, considering it took seven years for Breath of the Wild to get made, and by the time that they were actually finished with it, they had already moved on to the next-gen console, and, like, they released it for both the Wii U and the Switch. I would imagine that a big reason why Halo 5, or Halo Infinite, rather, looks like that is because uh, they were probably developing, (laughs) like, back when the Xbox one was like the console that they were building it off of oh yeah for sure i mean and it's gonna be on it still too so it oh can't okay look, yeah it, it can't look amazing but at the same time it's still kind of i mean i don't even really care about the no, graphics no. like the it looks fine enough for, <laughs> for me so yeah i mean i'll still uh, play it i'll still buy it and and like i'll probably have fun with the game but um but i don't know the delay doesn't really mean anything to me yeah i i was just excited to play it um and now i just have to wait longer an indefinite amount of time sometime in 2021 which is to me a bummer but obviously keep that bun in the oven for as long as it takes that's that's always my opinion sure sure with software i mean general they delayed um animal crossing and that worked out i think game turned out to be really good so yeah yeah and actually yeah it's just crazy because they they this was their like app for the series x you know yeah yeah which isn't like it's launching with i don't know there's like a handful with of bug snacks on it. <laughs> yeah it's bug snacks on xbox no i don't think I don't so know. it's oh. playstation and pc oh I was, really oh, okay um, i was uh today actually i was scrolling the tl and saw a friend of the show washington post video games reporter gene park tweeted that uh, apparently the development of Halo Infinite was in part delayed because there was a big focus in the studio to, I guess, tie it to an in-development Halo TV show. Oh. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I don't believe that. I mean, I think I think it was the Washington <laughs> Post article. You should go check it, out, check it out. Yeah, but see, that doesn't make... S- I mean, it makes sense that you want the two to go hand in hand, but at the same time, a show that's probably going to get sacked or suck uh delaying your actual killer thing for your new console generation that's gonna like determine adoption and sales that seems like a weird thing to prioritize like a very microsoft like modern day microsoft thing like maybe under bomber this was something they would have done but like this sounds i don't know i it sounds like it sounds like halo like you were saying and like i believe halo infinite was going to be the game of xbox one series x and still will be so i wouldn't be surprised if microsoft's plan was to just totally do a big blowout for halo do a tv show do the game you know have all sorts of like multimedia stuff everywhere just like kind of like fortnite like the fortnite model not that fortnite has a tv show although i bet that's in the works um but that Fortnite is just everywhere. I, I I bet Microsoft had a lot riding on this. I heard that yeah. they were making a, a Halo movie like a long time ago. Yeah, there's always, there's been a Halo. Well, they've been trying to do like something film related with Halo forever. Because like yeah. the entire first half of the Xbox One generation, they were trying to do a bunch of movie and film things. Like they had the... Uh, what was that show? They did a show game hybrid, didn't mm-hmm. they? It was called like Nightfire or something like Nightfall. I, yeah, 
Something it was something. I think it was called Halo Nightfall. It was like Nightfall. some third-person action game that they also had a TV show with, but like it, I don't know. It didn't do great. And yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, I, well, the story, the his, the history of Halo, uh, Halo's movie adaptation is pretty interesting and has actually created some, some, in my opinion, really awesome stuff. Because Halo, the first Halo movie, and please correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, viewers, you know, consumers, uh, the first Halo movie was going to be directed by I don't remember who, maybe Neil Blomkamp. I think it was Neil Blomkamp, and they went mm. and started pre-production. I think finished pre-production of the Halo movie or got close to it, and then the movie was canceled. But they still had a whole bunch of the the production out in I think New Zealand or Australia, and they just uh, pivoted to make District Nine, uh, a movie that went on to uh, be nominated for an Academy Award. It's one of my favorite sci-fi movies from the past few years or past you know, decade at this point um have you guys seen district nine neil blomkamp's yeah. movie i love yeah. that movie so that movie the only reason why it exists is because the halo movie um was not made but i think you you get a huh. sense of what vibe they were going for with the halo yeah, movie yeah. um if you've seen district nine or elysium and that that movie kickstarted neil blomkamp's whole career and i think he's made some awesome movies since so i'm not mad about everything that's happened with the halo movie stuff oh i'm not either i think a halo movie would suck I think it'd yeah, be cool. I've always kind Galore's of had awesome. this weird reservation about a Halo movie where it's like, I like the games, but like, does it translate to film? I don't think it would. It's like, Halo's fun because of like the the experience of like exploring the lore for yourself rather than, I don't know, the storytelling isn't necessarily amazing, but the the world building is. So it's like, you'd have to have like a really good story along with the the other elements and that that's kind of like i don't know it's up in the air with those kinds of movies because video game movies typically don't have very good stories but imagine if you got like i don't know i'm gonna pronounce his name incorrectly but uh dennis villanova denny villanova denny villanovu yeah yeah imagine him helming a halo movie that would be that'd be something that'd be cool i mean like i really like um the way his movies look he's a really good director and and uh i mean I don't know how much he contributes to the cinematography, but all of his movies have good cinematography. So uh, I don't know. It would probably look a lot better than the average uh, person directing it. But like I said, like the benefit of doing a Halo movie is that you you already have the good world building. You already have the good like characters, but you need like good writing. You know, you need you need good writing to like make it all a good package. And I feel like when people make these video game movies they think that they can just ride off of the the notoriety and they can just be like oh yeah like people like the video game they're gonna like the movie it doesn't really matter like what the story is we can just make this some some basic white bread thing but then the movie ends up sucking because it's not interesting because everybody's already experienced all of the other elements that you're putting into the movie in the game and now they just want like you to tell a good story out of the elements that they already know and uh when people when it, I don't know when they were making when they were developing the Halo movie, it, it was always in the back of my mind. Where it's just like I hope that they either tell like the story that is already in the Halo video games, but they like put a really cool spin on it or something, or they just completely tell an entirely new thing, like completely uncanon that like is still really good. See, I know they would definitely do a Master Chief like following vaguely the events of one of the games probably the first one 
if they were to do a Halo movie, but uh-huh. it would be so cool. Just like it would be so cool if they did more Star Wars movies that were just like not connected in any way whatsoever to the Luke Skywalker greater family tree. It would be really yeah. cool to just do like a cool side story, not side story, but just a cool story unrelated to Master Chief about um, you know, all of the different alien factions in in the Halo yeah, universe. Yeah, yeah. Like I would love uh, an Arbiter movie. An Arbiter, Arbiter movie, Arbiter. a flood, like a horror movie about the flood would be really cool. <laughs> yeah, I know you would like that. But the Arbiter is like the best character in the series. He's like sure, Arbiter's cool really character. badass, really cool design too. Like he looks awesome. Yeah, and the voice actor is awesome. Yeah, who is the voice actor? I don't remember his name, but he um he does a lot of voice acting for stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's uh Troy Baker. That's yeah, that's it. Ah, okay. <laughs> but uh yeah, I think a obviously. good a good question is what are besides uh franchises that have already had film adaptations or were already like heavily rumored for them like Halo, what f- video game uh what video games would you if you if you were given a blank check from, you know, Steven Spielberg's company or whatever to make a video game movie, what video game would you adapt? Um I know my answer. Do you want to go first matt if you have something uh you go first i'm thinking okay i know for a fact that i would want to make an elder scrolls movie oh dude That'd because be so cool. like i mean i didn't really get into game of thrones but i'm a huge lord of the rings fan and i i really like skyrim um and all of the elder scrolls game for that matter because they're they're like kind of a mixture of of sci-fi and uh and uh what is it fantasy and um it's most apparent in morrowind and whenever they made the switch to uh, oblivion they kind of went back to like uh Cyrodiil is more of like a classical uh lord of the rings ish kind of place like the the creatures are all just like deer and bears and stuff and then in skyrim they just kind of they went a little bit back to the the weirdness that morrowind had but it was it was still like heavily based on existing nordish culture where it was like, you know, the Nords are, are a real thing in in, in real life, uh, and they base them off of that, and and there's still like, I don't know, deer and bears and stuff. There's there's a whole lot of weirdness. But in Morrowind in particular, like almost all of the creatures are very alien, and that's what I always kind of liked about the world. Morrowind itself is very weird and alien, and I would like to make a movie based on that kind of part of the Elder Scrolls universe. Also, really like the uh, the um, like the gods of the of the world because like it's very much um, its own like it has its own rule system like a rule set and stuff of uh, of like the gods are kind of like more demonish than godish if that makes sense and mm-hmm. that kind of makes it for an interesting like power struggle between mortals and stuff and. Uh, I don't know. I'd like to see more of that realized on screen because I think that it has a lot of potential. And if I were to give, if I were given a blank check, I would probably make not not a Morrowind movie specifically, but definitely focusing on the weird part of the, of of the Elder Scrolls universe for sure. Yeah, I think that'd be I think that would be amazing. And I think there's just a, a cool thing about that franchise is that I think when people think of the Elder Scrolls, they don't think of a storyline; they think of the world. And that that's just that gives you you could do anything with that. There's not that, yeah. that baggage of, well, I guess you, you got to make the Master Chief movie like the, who who is the Master Chief of Elder Scrolls? There isn't one besides, I guess, that 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 funny yeah. uh, follower guy you have in Oblivion with the yellow hair. I like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the memes, of course, stand out. But I mean, when it came to Morrowind, like the story, I think that if I were to like rate different elements of each of the the major uh, Bethesda games, like Morrowind has the best story by far, even though it is kind of like a a very um, unoriginal like prophet prophecy story i guess there is a lot of like weird conflict and betrayal that happens all throughout the entire storyline and that that makes it pretty interesting to watch uh or at play at least and i think that if they incorporated some like actual drama that wasn't like uh, i guess what i what, what the thing that i would focus on if i were to like make um make something based on existing material is like the material exists as kind of like a, a buffer and it's kind of like, oh, this is like an interesting world that we live in. But the real thing that you're focusing on is the drama that's happening within it. And if you if you make the movie or the show or whatever too much about the world, I guess, where it's just like you, you cut away from the story to show some weird thing happening. It's like, oh, that's cool little backdrop. But it's not something to like make the entire movie about, right? The thing is about these people and the people who are like struggling within this world or whatever, and there's some conflict or, or something like that should be the main focus of, of like the story, I think. And it would be cool if more people like tried to do that with, with like fantasy and stuff like that. Cause like the Lord of the Rings is a great example. It's like the world of Lord of the Rings is, is there, but there isn't a whole lot of like moments in the, in the movie or the book where they're just like, they're focused so solely on like, oh, isn't this world crazy? This world that we live in is crazy. There's no like, there. I mean, the fish out of water is is Frodo for the most part, like, and that's like what the audience, uh, for the most part, relies on for for like reassurance in this in this alien world that they're not a part of. But Frodo is still a part of Middle Earth. Like, he's still like a hobbit. He's still weird. His his culture is still interesting, but they don't like make that a huge deal you know they focus on like the struggles of the characters and like the intimate relationships and the most interesting parts of lord of the rings to me are like uh you know denethor and and uh his his sons and like their conflict and like boromir's like trying to make his father happy but it also doesn't want to like i don't know let uh let his uh i don't know soul get the best of him it's like these things are very human and you don't really need Lord of the Rings to tell these stories, but uh, it's still with all happening within this fantastic world. And it's awesome, and I would want to bring that to to like uh, a Lord or uh, an Elder Scrolls kind of thing. That would be neat. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that given the right uh, creative team behind that, I mean, it, that could be just a total home run. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Matt, do you have one? Yeah. I'm- Hmm. I'm conflicted. I was gonna say Fallout, but they're making that show, yeah, they are. so it's already gonna uh-huh. happen. And you already did Bethesda, so my my other one. I don't know if it counts. Does it specifically have to be a video game? Yes. Okay, this is <laughs> technically a video game. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's also not, uh, but I think Magic would make a really good. Uh, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Background for. Um, a movie or a TV show or anything. Cause it's a lot of, a lot of the points that like Dane was saying is I think if you're, if you want to make, I think the best movies are when the people creating it, they, they have the freedom to do what they want with it and don't have to follow some like, you know, the, the tale of master chief or 
something that some video game writer wrote. Like they can go anywhere they want with it. And then with magic, it's like, okay, so you just have this world or worlds that have been developed for the past 25 years. And the only thing you really need to show in this is that people can go to different worlds at a moment's notice. So I think it, I think it would lend to a lot of uh, creative freedom for a director. And there's a lot of different, uh, <laughs> I see you Googling things. Are you looking at a Geralt? Is that his name? Dude, how'd you know yeah. I was going to say that? <laughs> you look at magic zombie. Yeah, but like you could do like, just like magic, you could do a whole, you could just do a whole movie on Innistrad, you know? Yeah. And it's already great. It's like this really good gothic horror. What's that guy's name? Geralt? It's you... not Geralt. Yeah. Geralt. I think it's Geralt. Yeah. He's the like zombie scientist who you never see in that block, but you yeah, just hear about sister. all of his creations. Dude, that's, I, I love that lore so much. It's so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Ma and it's all the best. See, like magic does kind of have a central story now. Like they follow these like center group of planeswalkers and there's like story arcs that they go on. But the best lore in magic has always just been like the weird stories they publish to flesh out what these worlds are and to kind of give them more character. Like uh, another character they added to Innistrad was this um, giant frog monster called the Gitrog monster that like, I think it like, mind controlled like a village to have people come to the swamp so it could eat them or something oh, weird cool. like that like and they wrote i think they wrote the story through the perspective of somebody that was going under the like the mind control that it was doing that's cool like in yeah and like so there's like a lot of instances where you can tell cool tales so i i just think it would be a there's a lot of material there and i think a creative person um could easily tell their own story while still uh, following a lot of the stuff that players would expect to see. So, yeah, that's what I would do. That's good. See, it's they like would make that. Oh, go on. Oh no, it's it's it. It all comes back to like my point where if you have like a good foundation, then you, you have all this room to make a yeah, exactly. story, make a good story out of it. Yeah, there. In terms of, uh, well, actually, a, a follow-up question I, I want to get to is who you would have make these movies because i think that's also an interesting conversation but uh <clears throat> for hmm. what franchise i think would, or not franchise but game i think would be an awesome movie and i'm sure this has been talked about a bunch but I, as far as i know it's never been talked about seriously as if it's ever going to happen is a bloodborne movie i think that world is just so cool and the way the story is told like i mean i'm gonna people are gonna be scratching their heads when i say this but in Bloodborne, like the story is really not what you're there for. It's like the environmental storytelling. So in, in a similar way as kind of both of your guys' examples, uh, there's just this huge world with all of these weird characters and uh, creepy cosmic horror uh, elements. Uh, there's just so much you could do with it without being beholden to like whatever the story in Bloodborne is, where there's like a hunter who is in a dream who's trying to fight the lovecraft monsters and i i vaguely know the story and i i could go into bloodborne's story but that's not what this pod is about and i that's not the important part that i think the uh that what makes it such a cool option for a movie is i just think that the like the the tone and aesthetic of bloodborne is something that not a ton of movies have really nailed um at least recently um i mean you have gothic horror from you know like the uh the beginning of cinema with movies like dracula and nosferatu and uh movies like that but recently i mean the 
only movie I can think of recently, and it's not even that recent, that has attempted this this kind of like gothic horror adventure is like Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman. And that movie sucks. I mean, it's fun, but it totally sucks. And a gothic horror meets giant uh, squid monster uh, movie, I think is just, uh, I, I think that could be so cool. So fun. And really, honestly, really scary too. Because a lot of the stuff in Bloodborne is really, really creepy. There's like, there's this one, uh, I don't know how familiar guys you are with the lore of Bloodborne, but there's this one part of the game where you go to this uh, university where there was all of these scholars trying to study the old ones who were these like Lovecraft monsters, these like giant spider-like uh, creatures that are from outer space that are covered in eyeballs, where these uh, these scholars were like obsessed with the eyeball notion, the eyeball part of the cosmic space monsters and attempted to like put eyeballs all over themselves. Um, and you go <laughs> in there and fuck them up. Um, it's really, it's really creepy. And, uh, I just think, I think there's a lot you could do with it. Um, and again, you wouldn't be beholden necessarily to one story. You just have a, a giant playground to work with in terms of all of the cool environmental storytelling that kind of did the heavy lifting for setting the tone of that game. Who would you have direct it or make it? Wes Anderson. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wes Anderson's Bloodborne. Uh, no, I mean, that would be awesome. I bet he could direct a cool Bloodborne movie. Um, but that's a good question. Who would I have directed? You know, I think uh, when you were talking about Lord of the Rings, Dane, the first thing that came to my mind was Peter Jackson. I think a Peter Jackson, uh, Peter Jackson Bloodborne movie would be really cool. I mean, some of the, my favorite parts of uh, Lord of the Rings are like the like the undead army and the uh the scene where frodo goes i forget you'll know the name of it but when when frodo and sam are walking across that marsh of the dead it might just be called the marsh of the dead you know yeah, with all of those like all of the dead elves in the uh in the, the marsh, marsh trying to pull them under yeah um i think i mean i think he very beautifully renders in his movies um be- believably scary worlds i mean you have mordor yeah and um also i what i like about peter jackson too and you see this in his earlier movies is like a really over the top sense of gore and bloodborne is a very gory game uh so by having just super goopy blood all over the place i i would also really love that yeah that's true he he has like a he he's he's a very interesting person cuz he's got like a really good eye for good like filmmaking but he also has this weird obsession with gore and like campy shit yeah uh, and i really love fun. that i love camp and though i mean if either of you have played bloodborne you'll know that bloodborne is not a campy game but i think that would be a cool element to bring to it a little bit at least in in a movie mm-hmm. i think that would ruin it <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's, it seems like a very serious kind of setting that it's in i don't know i think that would i think a lot of people would be upset <laughs> I would eat that up, dude. I would absolutely eat that up. Another, I mean, another option I think that's in a similar vein, but not one that would appease those people's complaints would be Sam Raimi, the guy who directed uh, the Spider-Man films. Um, mm-hmm. He also directed a movie I really like called Drag Me to Hell, which you guys might have seen. Uh, it's like a 2007 or 2008 horror film. Yeah, I watched um, that at your uh, recommendation, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that movie's really cool, and um, I think. I think he I think he he could do a good job with Bloodborne. He's done a ton of big budget fantasy type movies. Um I would like that. I would like a Sam Raimi kind of weird Bloodborne movie. Those are probably weird <laughs> answers though. I think There's only probably you better would like directors. It. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the question. Who would I, who would I choose? Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of like a more, uh, I don't know, a, a more acceptable answer for someone who could direct a Bloodborne film. Uh, I'm coming up like, do you guys have any ideas? Who, who would you think would be like I don't know. Like I've, never, I, I, I've never seen, I, I don't choice. know anything about Bloodborne. So. Okay. Uh, dude, what about uh, Ari Aster? Ari Aster. That could be cool. Name? I don't know if I'd trust. I, so for the record, okay, I just actually thought of someone who would probably do it the best. I'll mention that after this. But uh, Ari Aster, in my opinion, is one of the best new directors working that I have seen. I think back to back, his movies have impressed me. Um, in a really crazy way. I would say him and Jordan Peele are probably my favorite new directors in terms of they just started putting out feature films. And um, I like him a lot, but I don't know if I would trust his uh, method of filmmaking in building out a big world. And in a Bloodborne game, I would want that world out there, not necessarily focused on, like in Lord of the Rings, how you have, you know, there's this whole big world out there, but a lot of the time you're focusing on just the relationships between a couple of hobbits running across the the country. Um, I would want that world fleshed out and Ari Aster's movies are not like, like grandiose world building films. Although I would definitely say they have a, a cool element of digging through lore that's presented more or less off screen, like hereditary, even probably more so than Midsummer. Um, and I think those films are both excellent. But I think a director who has already shown to be great at uh, and actually started in horror films, has done great fantasy films, has done big budget films um, and adaptations uh, is Guillermo del Toro. That is, I changed my answer. Ooh, Gu- yeah. Guillermo no, del Toro's that would be better, yeah. would be he fucking direct perfect. Guillermo del Toro should direct everything. He's just, every movie he does um, just speaks to me in a way that not a lot of other directors work does. He has that element of camp and I love camp, but his production value is just so high and like lovingly crafted. Like you, like one of my favorite movies ever is Pan's Labyrinth. And there's some parts of that movie that are kind of, that are kind of cheesy or over the top in like a Sam Raimi kind of way where um, just like the way it's filmed is a little melodramatic, I would say, but it's rooted in such a cool world building and like puppetry driven fantasy aesthetic that almost makes me think of like, uh, I mean, it definitely makes me think of movies like dark crystal or labyrinth, which are movies I really like. And I I love the way they look and present fantasy um, and horror in some aspects. And I mean, Guillermo del Toro just knows how to make like a fucking awesome action movie too like pacific rim has some of the best like science fiction action out there and bloodborne i would say isn't really science fiction but um i mean i guess it could be argued that it is but um yeah i think i mean if you've seen uh what's that movie called crimson peak crimson peak is an awesome uh kind of victorian horror film like haunted house movie uh, that came out right that's the one he did right before shape of water which is one of the better movies to come out in the past few years, in my opinion. Um, yeah, Guillermo del Toro absolutely would just annihilate yeah, a that Bloodborne movie. That's yeah, and fit. he's great at world building. Yeah. Have you seen, uh, have you seen Troll Hunters? Yeah, I, that's a great. Troll Dude. Hunters is an awesome movie. No, the uh, no the the show. Oh, for a second I thought Guillermo del Toro like produced Troll Hunter. The it's like a no, Swedish movie. movie. No, that show is also really good. Uh, Troll Hunters. Yeah. The, he has Troll Hunters, and then. Uh, arcadia i think those animated the the animated shows on netflix are really good 
Yeah, he has it, it. Like he did. People liked that first show, that Troll Hunter show, so much that it they turned it into like a a mini cinematic universe. <laughs> it's really cool. Where they were telling stories and like that all connected. Yeah, they're about to they're about to finish it up. Like I think next year they're having a like a full like feature length movie come out that's gonna wrap up the whole connected uh, universe. That's so cool. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't there supposed to be a, a new series in that universe called Wizards coming out this year? Yeah, or? it just came out. Oh, just, just oh cool. It. Oh, is it good? Uh, yeah, it's a lot better than um than uh the show that was in between called Three Below was wasn't very good at okay. all. Uh, but Wizards really stepped it up. Um, because Wizards is basically just like it's troll hunters, but there's a different main character it focuses on, and it's it, it, and it just kind of follows him, but it has like the entire cast of that original show. Oh, cool. For the most part. Yeah. And then three below kind of tried to do that where they had similar background characters, but they like kind of got rid of all the other stuff and it just didn't fit very well. Um, but yeah, it, it's all pretty good. Like troll hunters and wizards is, are like, I think anybody should watch those just if you like, good world building like it's not as good as um this one show i'm gonna compare it to but uh it still does a good job with world building like um like avatar i was thinking i think the same avatar thing. is one of like the best uh kid focused shows with the best world building mm-hmm. um and i think troll hunters gets really really close to it not quite as good but still pretty dang good yeah i i would definitely agree that was the first uh when you were kind of winding up that take uh avatar was the first thing in my head too Damn, i haven't watched seen... avatar in a while yeah oh but you've seen it before <laughs> I, I saw it like when i was like 20 oh 21. Wow. it's pretty good i should re- watch it again good. yes yeah i've heard core is okay too i've only saw the first season wasn't that great but i heard it got a lot better so I was you know i saw Korra as well <clears throat> around the same time i watched all of avatar and then i watched all of Korra afterwards and i remember very clearly having the opinion that I liked Korra better, although I know that that's not the accurate opinion to have if you want <laughs> accurate to uh, have friends. So I, <laughs> I, I, I would like to rewatch bad. it. Yeah, yeah. I but think- I think a lot of people uh, that I've heard talk about Avatar have, have always, like, I don't know, retained the opinion that, that Korra is, is weaker. But I, I remember very clearly liking it more. So I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to rewatch it. I only saw the first season. I would like to... I think there's four now. So oh, well. yeah. four seasons. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean now? Did they make another one? I don't know. When I when I had seen Cora, there was only one oh. season out, and there's four, and it just came out on Netflix. So I wasn't sure if they did like yeah another uh, season or if it. Did you watch four when you watched it? No, I, I think I only saw three seasons. Okay. Well, yeah. There's well, a but I don't know. It was literally a decade ago, so I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah what, I'm gonna rewatch this though. They're pretty good. What's I I I don't I don't I've never even heard of Troll Hunter. What is that? Sounds like a joke. Sounds like a joke show. <laughs> no, it's great. It's uh it's a animated show by Guillermo del Toro. Um, oh wow. Yeah, that's that's why we brought it up. Yeah, so he he just I guess got commissioned by Netflix to make a oh. something, and I don't know if it was specifically a kid show or if that was something he wanted to do, but. He made a show called Troll Hunters, which is an awful name. Um, I feel like whenever I try <laughs> yeah. to sell somebody on this show, 
it's a lot of work because it took a lot of work from my friends to get me to watch it initially. Uh, but yeah, just, it follows this kid. It's like a, it's like one of those, like, it's kind of like Avatar where it's a coming of age story in a way. Like the mm-hmm. characters are all, uh, youngish in the show. It's like high school, but it's not like a, like a high school show. Like it's like very G rated high school in a way. Um, but this kid finds this amulet one day when he's going to school and it turns him into the warrior that is like the protector of troll kind <laughs> or something weird. And it, it, it I don't, dude, it sounds so dumb, but just the way, the way the world is designed and it builds things up and the, the storytelling goes, it's really enjoyable. Um, it, hmm. I kind of compare it to like a, like a, like one of the really well done like Pixar or DreamWorks movies, mm-hmm. like probably closer to Dream. Well, th- that's the studio that did it was uh, DreamWorks, um, mm. but it's not like top tier Pixar, like yeah. not that close. But it's really well done. It's surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of animation is a, it? Sorry, uh, like DreamWorks, like, like 3D standard. Oh, really? Yeah, like yeah, like 3D. Yeah. Oh, okay. It looks really good. It, it looks it, really it good. It does have very good uh, animation. It has that camp that Gus it, was talking it's about. Like the, it's got camp in the way, in the similar way to like, uh, is three below the sci-fi one with the yeah. alien kids. Yeah. I liked that one. And that one has camp in a similar way as like invader Zim, where it, it feels like you're kind of watching like a Nickelodeon, like a Nickelodeon show where these, the same cast of char- characters is just going on a new adventure every week. And I think that's a, I think that's a really good thing. Um, I think that's a good quality in a show, but it does lend a campiness to it. Yeah, you should watch three episodes, and they're twenty minutes. So you know, you commit like now your time. Decide if you like it or not. Probably will, but uh, I mean, I'm looking up pictures of it. It it looks like a kid show. It is a kid show. Oh, all right. Yeah, I mean, but it's like it's like kids in like a a Pixar movie or DreamWorks movie way. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's not. Like how to train your dragon yeah, yeah. is super. It's primarily good. kids, yeah, but it's still enjoyable despite that. It's not like a dumb kid show. It's not like watching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even know. I don't know any kid shows <laughs> anymore. But Camp Rock. Um, yeah, yeah, like anything like that. Maybe Nickelodeon airs or something. You know. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll I'll consider. I'll, I'll probably watch Avatar before I watch this though, just because. Yes, I, uh, that's, I, I've been wanting too. to do that. Yeah, Avatar is so good. I'm probably gonna rewatch Avatar too. I've, I've been rewatching it. It's very good. It's probably also been a decade. Um, before uh, before we move on though, I want to hear y'all's take on who you would have make your uh video game adaptation because I think it, it's just like there's so many weird possibilities across all these. Uh, I mean, I don't want to steal your answer, but I think Guillermo del Toro would be really good with uh with the Skyrim stuff, but, um, to not take your answer, I will, I will answer, um, let's see. Wes Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. George Lucas. George Lucas's Skyrim (laughs) two. No, no, no. I I have it. I have it. I would, I would choose, um, Alfonso Curion. Oh, wow. Why? He, uh, well, because like I said, a big, uh, draw of of uh 
an Elder Scrolls movie is kind of the quote-unquote sci-fi weirdness. And he's made a lot of weird sci-fi movies. Um, well, not a lot, but he's made uh, Children of Men, which is like one of my favorite oh. sci-fi movies of all time. Dude, that's one of the best movies of all time. Yeah, not even in the sci-fi genre, but it's just a really good movie. Dude, the um, car scene? The scene with the car? Oh, You know what I'm yeah, talking about? Course. Holy shit, bro. There's every, there's like a bunch of really standout scenes. Um, but he also directed the best Harry Potter movie, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, Prisoner of Az- Azkaban, if you didn't know. Um, with uh, And so he can handle fantasy pretty well. Uh, and I really liked his approach to um, Prisoner of Azkaban because it kind of brought a realness to the world of Harry Potter. Because I, I don't know if you... When was the last time you guys watched the Harry Potter movies? <laughs> Not um, not for not since like an ABC Family uh, Christmas marathon in like yeah yeah. <laughs> well, they probably <laughs> only ever show the first two because the first two were very like they're very much still children's movies. But uh, the third one is kind of and the books are like this too. The th- the third book is where it kind of starts to get real, and Alfonso Curion handled that realness so appropriately. Like a good example was just like in the way that the world looks right. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Potter one and two are very um, bright. Like it was directed by Christopher Columbus, who's like a Dude, that guy, I don't know. He's he, he makes, makes a bu- he made like, like a bunch of like kids movies and real stuff. Real popcorny director. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the the movies that he makes are very, and this includes the first two Harry Potter movies. They're very um, bright, mm-hmm. um, mystical, like fun. Like even in the dangerous situations in the movie, you still kind of feel like, ooh, this is, I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, when it comes to, and, and which is strange because, I mean, if you really think about the the plot of the second book in particular, <laughs> it's about a, a fucking snake that is uh, going around the castle and like um, paralyzing children. <laughs> and uh, And then I think Harry Potter dies at the end, but then he gets revived by the phoenix. Um, but it's also about like racism against centaurs. Isn't that a thing in the second book? I th- think <laughs> that might have been in one of the books. I don't remember which one it was. There was definitely like an element of like, uh, I think the fifth book kind of hammered that home. I don't know. I don't remember. I remember there was like racism I, against elves in the, the fifth book. That was a bit with Hermione. Yeah. Like, we're getting into a yeah, Harry Potter well, conversation. Anyway, my my point being that when the third movie came along, it was like, oh, Sirius Black is, he's the person that sent your parents to get killed by Voldemort, and he's also, he escaped from prison, he's going to go kill you, Harry Potter. And uh, it was like kind of a, a serious situation. <laughs> and um, And not only that, but like the way that the movie looks is great. It's like much more washed out, like toned down. Um, all of the, it seems like they decided to make a, a conscious switch from like wizardry into like oh these are just kids who happen to be wizards you know what i mean yeah uh i don't know uh, you'd have to watch the movies to get what i'm talking about but the the first two movies like harry potter and his friends are like in robes the entire movie like they're in like wizard robes and, hats. and they're really excited to be there and they're like we're wizards hee <laughs> look at us we're in our wizard costumes and then um in the third movie like they don't i don't think they wear i think they only wear robes like during like special occasions like when they're supposed to like it's their like when it's like the thing that they're supposed to put on because dumbledore said but most of the movie they're like wearing street clothes and they just like whip wands out every once in a while 
And I think that it's really, uh, it, that's where the movies kind of took a turn for like the more relatable, I guess, the more interesting. Like if I were to do a Harry Potter marathon, I probably would just skip the first two movies. <laughs> like they're, I mean, what is there to know? They seem they're, like I they're mean, from a different franchise because the third movie also set the tone for the next five, six movies. Yes, exactly. Like that, I think Alfonso Curion like did such a bang up job with uh, the third movie that like everybody who directed the movies from that point on were just trying to copy him. <laughs> they were just trying to like do an Alfonso Curion impression. Um, so anyway, I think that he would handle fantasy and sci-fi. He's, I mean, he has handled fantasy and sci-fi extremely well. And uh, that combination is kind of why I like a lot of elements of of uh, Elder Scrolls. So I think that, that he would be he would be great with that. Plus, I, he would do a lot of one shots, one 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 shot takes Ooh. and stuff oh, like yeah. that, which I'm a big fan of because I'm a uh, I'm a film student. <laughs> <laughs> are the are the Harry Potter movies worth watching? I've actually only seen the first two. Dude, you still <laughs> really you saw the saying. you saw the worst two of them <laughs> yeah i only i mean i only cared about them when i was a kid i don't yeah. i'm not a huge harry potter fan like i i saw the movie i saw the first two movies when i was in elementary school or whatever and mm-hmm. i think i read all the books yeah when i was on a road trip when i was 15 mm-hmm. and that's i've never gone back i don't, I don't even know how the final book ends <laughs> I read. I, mean, I read. I read six of the books. I didn't actually finish all of them. Okay, so I this mean, is it, this is as, a, as a minor a, spoiler, but I do want to say Hagrid does kiss Harry on the lips at the end of the. He does. He book. gives him a big wet one. He says, "Oh, I shouldn't have done that." <laughs> Wait, is this pre or post Pottermore edition? <laughs> uh, yeah, it depends. I, I'm pretty shouldn't sure J.K. Rowling just tweeted yesterday that actually Harry Potter uh, and Hagrid kissed behind the behind the woods in the woods. Oh, and did I mean they kissed their lips? I meant, uh, never mind. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) as, okay, I grew up a huge Harry Potter fan. I'm still a huge fan of the books and movies. I haven't really revisited the movies or the books in a very long time. However, I feel like I've read the books so goddamn much by now that I, I, I don't even have to read them anymore. They're in my brain. Um, but the movies, uh, are not bad. I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty accurate representations of the books. Uh, they did as, as well as you can when it comes to like movie to, or book to movie, like adaptations, I think. Hmm. Um, and it's mostly in the casting, to be honest, the cast of the movies is like perfect as far as I'm concerned. Um, So are they worth watching? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I think so. I mean, long story short, I, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. Sure. Um, but if I were to really give you a recommendation, I would say just read the books again. <laughs> like, that's the real way to experience Harry Potter, obviously. I think anybody who's read the books and seen the movies could tell you that, though. But if you want, like, an abridged version, then, yeah, the Harry Potter movies are, are great. Um, but I still stand by my opinion that the first two are, like, pretty lackluster as far as just, like, entertainment goes because of the way that they were directed. Like nothing, nothing against Christopher Columbus. I think he's an all right director. It's just that he's so like, I don't know, so boring. He's very, he's very like uh, Hollywood, I guess. Hmm. Well, so yeah. What yeah. were we gonna move on to? Because uh, oh, right, no, no. Uh, we still have to hear your answer. Oh, I don't have uh, a particular affinity for like a director. I think like I can't do like a fantasy director draft you know like i don't yeah like i know some directors names and i think they're good but i 
I wouldn't ever be like, oh, you Safety Brothers do this. Uh, <laughs> Safety Brothers, Magic yeah, the Safety Gathering. Brothers. Honestly, uh, they would kill it, dude. They would absolutely kill the, the Magic the, the Gathering the, movie. You the know Magic they would be the like, Gathering yeah, we'll movie where everybody, movie. everybody's face is taking up the entire frame. <laughs> and their eyes shrink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's talking over each other like, no, 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 I'm going to cast you into the Shadow Realm. <laughs> or I don't know the fucking, I don't know what Magic No, you've is, activated so. my trap card. <laughs> I think whoever did a lot of the Castlevania Netflix series would be a good pick, though. Ooh, I think they translated yeah. a, a non-television medium into a you know a a flat representation where you just watch it and find a narrative. So, I think whoever was involved with that should be involved with the magic movie. Dude, the guy who uh, uh, was I think the showrunner for Castlevania on Netflix. They profiled him in this really bad Netflix document, like Netflix produced documentary on Netflix produced animes. I forget even what it's called. This this documentary sucks, honestly, and you should not watch it. But there is a portion of it focused on the creator of the Castlevania Netflix series. And this guy lives in his real life as like a cyber vampire. He like claims that he is a vampire, wears like capes and trench coats and shit. <laughs> And he looks like he looks like he's in like the Matrix, but also a vampire, and that's like his day to day. Okay, I changed my answer then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I also um before before we move on, I want to point this out. I don't know. This might have been something you guys have never even experienced because I, I, I it might have been slightly uh, before your time, but there was this movie that I had on VHS growing up called A Little Princess. Yeah, that movie's really good, that dude. Is? That movie's really good. No, what is it? It's just some I don't know, it's like a movie. It's kind of like um, Matilda except really dark and she doesn't have any powers. <laughs> um What's Matilda? You don't know? Oh my god. Okay. Matilda's well, never so mind. Good. Um Matilda's yeah, based yeah. on a Roald Dahl book. It's a It's a movie <laughs> with the girl from Miracle on 34th Street remake from like the 90s. She was like in a bunch of a bunch of 90s. I haven't movies. seen that either. Oh. Okay, well. Classic. Anyway, it's a movie that I remember very fondly growing up because, I mean, as a child of the 90s, I had a pretty much a, just a collection of VHS tapes that I watched on repeat every single day. And one of those movies was A Little Princess. I just found out that that's directed by Alfonso Curion. I had no idea. Oh, nice. Whoa. That's so strange. Whoa. I had no that, idea. That is so random. <laughs> like, I always really liked hell? that movie growing up. Yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid, I was just like, oh, yeah, the movie's pretty good. I watch it all the time. And now it's like, oh, one of my favorite directors made that movie? What the hell? That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, and on Alfonso Curion's, uh news, I just wanted to ask, uh, have you guys seen Roma? I have not seen it, but I'm a big fan of a picture I saw of someone watching it on a 3DS, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Roma. That's pretty funny. Roma, uh, Roma is a, an Im uh, immigrant woman in, in the United yeah. States raising her family. It's very different from his other movies, but it's so good. Um, apparently, it's more um, like autobiographical because so it takes cool. place around the time that he would be a, a child. Um, and apparently, when he was growing up, he had a a, a Mexican uh, like uh, what would you call it? Like not a maid, but like a nanny, like someone that housekeeper. Oh, yeah, housekeeper. I guess he had like a, a housekeeper and he uh he he like really liked her and she basically was like a part of the family and stuff, even though like 
she was very clearly a, uh, you know, she wasn't na- really a part of their family, but they treated her like that. And uh, it kind of follows her uh, story uh, during, like, Mexico in the 1970s, which I guess was, like, a kind of a turbulent time for Mexico. So it's, like, kind of interesting in that way. But it's, like, it's very um, personal. Like, it's it, there's there's not a whole lot about the movie that's that's flashing the same way as other movies are, but it's still really, really cool. And the whole movie's in black and white. It really it looks really good. It's like I'm not usually a fan of black and white shot movies, but I think that he did a really good job with like making uh, making the movie like interesting to watch still. Like the the cinematography is really, really good, both in the in the way that it's lit and like the the shots and stuff. Um but it's all in it's all in uh Spanish, so you'd have to watch it with subtitles. But it's like it's probably one of the best foreign films I've seen ever, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I think it's really good. I would just like to take a moment and say it warms my heart that in a conversation about what direct, what movie directors would you have direct uh, these video games, we've chosen two Mexican directors, Guillermo del Toro and Alfonso Cuarón. Uh, that's Cuaron, true. As I mean, Mexico is freaking killing it. What's the other? Who's the third one? There's the third like another. One? There's an, there's another Mexican. Uh, the guy that made um like The Revenant. Uh, I forget his name. He's Mexican too. Like there are a bunch of Mexican directors that are like really going crazy. Oh, uh, Alejandro Inurito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. uh he's also killing it lately. I think uh, Mexico cool. is is the new Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, it just it warms my heart. It warms my heart. Now, you know, I've wanted to see Roma. My uh my grandmother immigrated or yeah immigrated immigrated. My grandma came from Mexico in the uh, in the fifties, and I oh, just okay. I thought Roma would. Uh, really speak to me, but I have not. I have not seen it. I, it's, I would really like I mean, to. It's on. It's a Netflix film. It's on Netflix. Yeah, that Watch movie it came now. out. Uh, that was like in Netflix's big push for an Academy Award winning movie, like along with like yeah, The Irishman, which I think honestly they're I mean, still I, making that push. But yeah, really there good. Was like a definite. There's a definite like attempt to. They're trying to legitimize themselves as like a production company, so uh, it's kind of neat. It's hard when they make so much bullshit, like so much, so many Netflix originals are yeah. so dumb. And even their quote unquote good stuff is bad. Like I really enjoy <laughs> the Umbrella Academy. And I think Matt, Matt, maybe you watched it. Did you watch the Umbrella yeah, Academy? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I really like the Umbrella Academy. I've watched like the first maybe three or four episodes of the second season, finished the first season. I like it. It reminds me of like an emo X-Men and the X-Men are like my favorite superhero group but it just has this like cw quality to it where it just looks yeah. like they kind of phoned in a lot of the production and a lot of netflix shows have this troll hunters does not uh, doesn't sound like roma does the irishman definitely doesn't but so much i mean netflix just puts out so much I that mean, it's just tiringly <laughs> bad sometimes i mean i mean just the don't. irishman uh <laughs> I mean, it's really funny people were like praising the the visual effects on like making him look younger and stuff but i don't see it I don't see what they're talking about. I think it looks bad. Really? Oh man, I thought it I thought it I thought the faces were really well done, but Robert De Niro still had old man body when he was like playing his That's a, that's self. a big part of it, I think. And like it's so weird that they overlooked that that fact. I mean, like yeah, Robert totally De Niro is like 80 years old. You can't put a freaking young man's face on a 80-year-old man and have him still <laughs> act the same. Yeah, they just had him wear really know. baggy clothes whenever he was. I young. think it's like entirely like Martin Scorsese like talked to some like twenty five year old guy who's just like, dude, I'm so good at uh <laughs> like doing this. Please let me do Wait, it, Martin Scorsese. And post? he's just like, 
Yeah, yeah. Mars Scorsese is just like, oh, okay, I trust you. And then, like, the technology just isn't there. But, I mean, like, he still <laughs> wanted to make them. He wanted to make another movie with, like, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and stuff. And he's like, but Ugh. they're freaking old. Uh, 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 oh, well. I, I think he could have made it. I don't know. I don't know, understand why that movie had to take place over such a long period of time. Uh, he could have made the movie about, like, the the last like half of the movie he could have probably just cut the movie in half <laughs> like, that, that is the beginning of the movie i don't even remember what fucking happened like it, it was so boring union like, a meat stuff. truck yeah yeah the, but that's the, so like, un shoots people yeah, yeah but i mean like with the mob via the union at his meat packing company or whatever company he worked at yeah I, I don't know like those extended scenes where he's a young man are so pointless to me but then again, I only saw it one time and I remember just being underwhelmed by it because I was super excited for a new Martin Scorsese movie, especially with such a um, like a star-studded cast. And um, I think the the best actor in the movie was freaking uh, Ray Romano. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Ray Romano's character was so funny. <laughs> I loved him in that. I think Ray Romano I mean, is a great actor. Loves him. Uh, yeah, everybody loves <laughs> Raymond. But uh, I... I think he should. I think Ray Romano needs to make like a crazy Hollywood comeback. He's like a great actor. I love. Yeah, him. he needs his uncut gems moment. He does. He really does. <laughs> Can you imagine uncut gems with Ray Romano <laughs> <laughs> instead of Adam Sandler? Kevin, Kevin, I'll get your, I'll get your gem. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, come on, please, <laughs> calm down. I, I'll get your gem. And then Brad Garrett. Wait, what if Brad Garrett played Kevin Burnett? <laughs> Uh, i'll win the basketball game Uh, i love that that's like one of my i mean i'm not a big fan of of uh sitcoms anymore but i remember growing up everybody loves raymond was definitely like top five that i used to watch all the time it's it is a very good one that and seinfeld are two of my favorites I, I never watched Seinfeld growing up, but um, wow. I don't know. I was more of a... Here's the thing. I think there are two types of people in this world. There are people who watch Seinfeld, and there are people who watch Friends. And I was I was a Friends guy. Ugh. And you know why? Why didn't you watch both? Seinfeld's so much better. Uh, I don't know. I just... I I, I think I they might have been on at the same time or something. <laughs> I think they're both I, great. I th- yeah, I'm sure they're both Dude, great, Friends but I just sucks. never... I never grew up with Seinfeld, is my point. Um, Friends my, is straight up that it does not hold I watched adult opinion. Seinfeld which was uh, not adult Seinfeld but I watched the new Seinfeld which is uh curb enthusiasm Seinfeld uh, that, after dark that's basically just Seinfeld <laughs> but they don't censor the bad words yeah that's true curb is incredible <laughs> I mean it's so much it, it, I've seen a few episodes of Seinfeld I'm just like okay this is basically just Kirby enthusiasm with different characters <laughs> like God, it's very very similar that show is so good and i yeah i just love george costanza in seinfeld and then larry david i think based george costanza off of himself largely and Mm -hmm. that just makes curb your enthusiasm just the best like every episode (laughs) is just focused on larry david doing something horrible and like yeah getting punished for it (laughs) so many social like mistakes although i will say i uh i haven't seen like the last like five seasons of curb enthusiasm (laughs) yeah me neither actually and then I I randomly decided to watch a new one, like because uh, I was bumming off someone's HBO. I think I still am, but I was like, oh, I'll just watch like whatever the newest episode of Kirby Enthusiasm is. And it's like it's such a weird experience. I highly recommend you go and you watch at least one episode because um, it was so dense with like Larryisms <laughs> that it was like unbearable. Like I actually hated watching it because it wow. felt 
like every every new scene was a new like attempt at doing like a Larry David meme. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, the thing that I always liked about Kirby Enthusiasm was they take like one or two of those Larry Davidisms and they stretch it out of the entire episode and it just keeps coming back to haunt him throughout the rest of the episode until finally at the end it like does him in and then it ends God. with the fucking Kirby Enthusiasm theme. <laughs> like that's the format of the show, but they would seriously, every single scene, there was like two or three different things where they're just like, Larry, I can't believe you did that. Hey, what am I going to do? I'm Larry David. Like it would happen so often that I was just like, oh my God, I can't handle this anymore. Like, please just stop. <laughs> it's so overwhelming. I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but I... I think it's just because I I made the jump from like season five to season eleven or something. Like they probably have been ramping it up to the point that it's at now. But it was so crazy. <laughs> you're saying that there's been uh, you're saying that there's been Larry David power creep. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. There was a power <laughs> creep, and I, I got shocked. I had a shock to the system when I experienced it. Man, I my favorite Larry Davidism from the seasons that I've watched are when. Uh, Funkhauser, who is one of Larry's friends, who is mm-hmm. this like old like basketball coach or something. His uh I think his mom dies and Larry's on the way. <laughs> uh Larry's on the way to uh Funkhauser's mom's funeral and on the way there he realizes that he uh didn't bring flowers. He's like, "Oh shit." And on the side of the road there's like a memorial for someone who got like hit by a car and he grabs <laughs> some of the flowers from that memorial and brings them to the the funeral. And he thinks like, oh, damn, okay, I saved the day. You know, good. this is a good day to be Larry David. And then he finds out that Funkhauser's mom got killed by being hit by a car. And Funkhauser's like trying to find the guy who stole the flowers at his mom's memorial. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's uh, awesome. Every episode is basically that same, for- that same formula, just like you're saying. But there's yeah. so many good ones. <laughs> I do like that though. Like it, that's this that's something that happens over the course of like the episode though. That's that's the strength of it. Like one of the best episodes is um when he like cuts the hair off of uh one of his his friend's wife's kids dolls. Oh yeah. <laughs> and like that whole episode is just based on one thing that he, he accidentally cut the hair off of a or or not that he even accidentally did it. The kid like blamed it on him. <laughs> and then everybody's mad at him and he's trying to fix it and the whole time he's trying to fix it he's just making it worse and worse it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful yeah. thing you know what it's a cancel, great i haven't seen this show either cancel my original take i would actually like larry david to produce a <laughs> bloodborne movie <laughs> direct a bloodborne movie <laughs> hey i'm bloodborne come on hey lovecraft monsters what what am i gonna do what am i what, what am i gonna do what am i gonna do, what am I, what am I gonna do? <laughs> You are pretty, pretty <laughs> scary. <laughs> uh, also, I heard that in the newer seasons, he divorced his wife, which I was like, yeah, he does. kind of disappointed in because I, I can see why they, uh, I asked my friend about that. He was a big fan of the show. He's like, so wait, why did he get a divorce with his wife? Like, doesn't make any sense. Like, that didn't, uh, did, did the actual Larry David get divorced? And he's like, no, they just wrote it that way in the show so that he could like, have more opportunities for cringe and stuff whenever you like go and date people, which I guess makes sense. But I, I always I really thought like his Cheryl. wife was like one of the better characters. So yeah, she was really funny. Hmm. I want to watch this now. Definitely. Oh God, There's it's so many the seasons, but I mean, 
I'd say, as far as I can tell, as soon as the Larry Davidisms start ramping up, probably probably cut it short because it's like <laughs> I'll just start at season eleven. <laughs> yeah, work your way backwards, and he gets progressively less awkward. There's uh, yeah, what's the opposite yeah. of power creep? He gets nerfed. <laughs> Larry David. The gets episode, nerfed. the new episode I watched, I watched because like I guess Donald Trump uh, accidentally. I mean, like not accidentally, but he 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 tweeted a clip from the show. I guess he didn't realize that like the clip was actually just making fun of him, but apparently there was a new episode and I watched the episode. This is the episode I'm talking about where it was just like overwhelming. Uh, But there's a gag in the show that was actually really funny where um, since Larry David lives in LA, um, he found that by just wearing a MAGA hat, um, like nobody would talk to him. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, like, so he he's like I he doesn't even like Donald Trump, but he still wears the MAGA hat so that people like don't they always like see him and they're like oh I don't want to talk to that guy and he's like ah this is a great way of like getting out of conversations you just put the MAGA hat on and there are a lot of really funny scenes where like somebody's like bothering him and asking him for something and then he like just kind of takes the MAGA hat out and puts it on and they're just like oh uh, I gotta go <laughs> and uh, apparently there's like uh, a scene where uh, like he cuts off some motorcyclist or something and the motorcyclist like pulls up behind him at a, or pulls up next to him at a stoplight and starts like cussing him out. And then he puts the MAGA hat on and the motorcyclist like gets scared and drives away. And, uh, that was the clip that like Trump tweeted and said like, hell yeah. <laughs> and all of his comments are like, you idiot. This is like to imply that like nobody likes you. <laughs> <laughs> This isn't badass. Like he probably was like, yeah, that's badass that like my my hat scares people away. This is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe if he's trying to attract a new demographic of uh, you know, people who are like Larry people David, who, I guess. Yeah. People <laughs> who want to get out of conversations. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh um, yeah, Larry David's Bloodborne on the uh yeah. on the release schedule. We went on a tangent though. What were we talking about before that? Uh, we Something. were talking about what directors would helm your favorite uh, video game franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already came we up with the answers, though. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we did it, boys. We got him. We got him. Uh, okay, this is uh, tangentially video game related. Um, mm-hmm. In that, in that, there has been a number of movies, or sorry, video games that Dwayne the Rock Johnson has been in or a part of. But how crazy is it? This is, I don't know why I was thinking about this. Uh, I think, Matt, you you were a part of this conversation. But how crazy is it? Oh, my it God. <laughs> that Dwayne The Rock Johnson found out about Osama Bin Laden being assassinated before any other American outside of <laughs> SEAL Team 6. Like what? someone from SEAL Team 6 straight up texted The Rock, like, we just killed bin laden and then the rock went on fucking twitter and it was like guys i just heard some amazing news that makes me proud to be an american you guys are going to be so excited to hear about this but i can't say anything and then it turned out that osama bin laden had been assassinated (laughs) that's funny that's it's i think it's funny that seal team that somebody on seal team six like texted the rock like (laughs) like he just texted his mom that he got a promotion or something yeah, it's like, like it's like after you get after you kill Bin Laden, the government is like, okay, you get one thing, you can do anything. What do you want to do? And someone <laughs> was like, I just watched the new Fast Fast and Furious film. I thought Dwayne the Rock Johnson was great. I gotta let him know. <laughs> <laughs> this is super strange. Yo, Dwayne, you're not gonna believe where I am right now. 
sends him a text uh, like it sends him a photo of him like next to dead bin laden check yeah. it out <laughs> like, dude guess who i just met <laughs> Dwayne, you are not gonna believe this Dwayne. uh who is this <laughs> uh, yeah i just yeah, thought that was crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. just wanted to share that with the group <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i didn't know about that because um i, I i'm like <laughs> there was a point where uh, a couple years ago i was like obsessed with the assassination bin of bin laden like the just the assassination of bin laden because it's so crazy <laughs> I, to me that i like story. where this podcast is going <laughs> no 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 <laughs> I'm I'm just I I just want to bring up like that I I've I I don't know I was on one of these like Wikipedia tears one night and I was just uh I looked up everything there is to know about that event and that that's really funny that one uh, of my friends has Bin Laden's chessboard. What does he really? Yeah, hmm. one of the one of the guys he used to work with he uh was part of not the raid that took him out but they did I guess a couple he was deployed over there um for a while during the war and. One of the places they raided, he just took a chessboard. <laughs> so he just has one of uh, fucking Bin Laden's chessboards. You know what's weird. crazy uh, is that um, I get this sense. I mean, like, it's not reported this way because, like, I mean, they just report what happens. But I get this sense that after they killed Bin Laden, they had <laughs> this, like, sense about it where it was kind of like in the same way where after a team in a video game wins they say gg yeah <laughs> because they like they gave him a burial at sea <laughs> and that to me is like just so wild like they they killed him and then they're just like all right he deserves a he he fought a good fight but in the end <laughs> in the end we won we got to at least give him you know get, send him off in a respectful manner you know gg boys uh good game uh like that's like the sense that i get from the ending of that story and it's so like weird i don't know if that's true or not but like when i read about it i i i don't know in my mind i was just like it felt like at least seal team six or at least the people who were like in charge of it were just like all right we got him good good game (laughs) we got him mission accomplished yeah counter terrorists win Uh, yeah, speaking of Osama bin Laden, uh, I, I heard <laughs> I heard that uh, via a, I think, Freedom of Information Act request, you can actually download Osama bin... <laughs> this is so crazy. This is so wild. Uh, you could download Osama bin Laden's Animal Crossing save file. <laughs> what? Yeah, apparently... Animal Crossing New Leaf? Uh... <laughs> I don't know which version, but apparently you can download Bin Laden's straight up Animal Crossing save no, file. Wait, he had a no, bunch of other stuff. Like he had like Counter Strike installed on his computer. He had a bunch of like there, anime and stuff. There's got to be like a Wild video of World. somebody. What? There's got to be a video of somebody like um like going in his town and stuff. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. I have not seen that myself, but. Uh, if you uh, I typed in, in Osama, TV land. <laughs> I typed in Osama bin Laden into YouTube and it automatically f- f- auto-filled Osama bin Laden death video. <laughs> Not quite the, what you were looking for, for. First of all, that doesn't exist. All of those videos are fake, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, personally, I would much rather walk around his village than watch him get you know, absolutely <laughs> right, dude, just killed. Animal Crossing Wild World. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have currently a copy uh, of Wild World that I could use to explore Osama bin Laden's town. 
but you know, uh, I think, I YouTube's, fil- I think YouTube's filtering this because I don't see I it auto filled it, but then it doesn't come up with any relevant Whoa. results. That's really weird. I think that they don't want me to see his world. So I have one of the the ROM cards. You need to download this stuff. Maybe I'll try to find this. You should. You absolutely should. Then please report back details. Okay. Yeah, we'll do. This might be my weekend project, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so we've talked about, you know, I think what we wanted to cover really was Osama bin Laden um, and just his ties to the video game world. But um, besides that, uh, we had just been playing, and if you're watching this podcast, um, you can see this, um, we've just been playing uh, Fall Guys. And... Oh my god, I forgot about that. I yeah. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, yeah, probably should talk about tangents. it since it's like probably on screen right now that we're just sitting here. Yeah. Uh, Fall Guys is, I think, very fun. And at this point in history, on August 19th, 2020, um, Fall Guys feels like it is the shit right now. Like, it kind of feels like when Fortnite first came out or first started getting popular and it was just all anyone was playing or streaming. Like, feels like Twitch has been taken over by Fall Guys. It feels like my Twitter feed is just a bunch of people talking about Fall Guys. I've seen people, I've seen like serious game journalists. I guess, you know, serious games journalists. But uh, I've seen serious discussion in on game journalism Twitter about Fall Guys as a game of the year contender. And uh, yeah, I think, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I've played enough to agree, but I mean, it's really fun. Uh, I'm going to yeah. refund it. <laughs> Are you really? Really? I, yeah. I would, anybody saying this is game of the year, that's kind of strange. <laughs> Maybe like Zeitgeist for sure, but I'm already over it after 60 minutes of playing. We played the same game mode like every time. Like, I don't know. It's super, it, it just. I'm definitely I, on the same. I'm I'm on the same like, uh, like. I'm in the, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, but I would, I wouldn't refund it though, because it's, it's still a fun game to play with people, but like your attention is so like not even needed to play it. (laughs) It's so like background noise to me. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm going to refund it though. Cause nobody, I I was really interested in it cause it looked fun. I was like, this game looks like, like it, like it's taken over everything right now. It's huge. Everybody's streaming it, whatever. So it had my attention, but Nobody I knew besides, I guess, you guys got it. And I can't imagine yeah. we're going to play it a whole lot together. Mm. Uh, yeah, so. it makes sense that you wouldn't get it if nobody else is playing it. I, yeah. I mean, I mostly just have it because occasionally, you know, one of my friend groups will be like, hey, does anyone play Fall Guys? So, but it's... um. It's such a it's such a casual game to me. I mean, like I I was talking to um, one of my friends about this game, and he really really loves it. And I started I started like kind of bringing up my gripes about it, which is like uh, it feels like you're not in a whole lot of control when it comes to like actually winning. It's very much random. Uh, a lot of the games are very RNG based. Uh, and halfway through, he was just like, "Dude, I don't." I don't want to, I don't want to even talk about this because like, I don't, when I think about this game, I don't even think about it on a like competitive level. I don't think about it on like, on like a fairness level. I just, I just think it's fun. Right. And it it kind of made me realize like, oh, I think video games are fun for like a completely different reason than probably what a lot of people who play video games think video games are fun for. Like 
they're not thinking that much about the game. <laughs> they're just like, oh, this is fun. I fell down. Oh, I got to the end. Like, that's as far as it goes. And they don't think about, like, the, the fairness or the mechanics or anything like that. And once you start talking about it, it probably ruins the game for people. But I don't know. I, I get so much. A lot of my fun is, like, talking about the game. And uh, yeah. And when I talk about the game, there's just so much to uh, criticize <laughs> uh, that I don't. That that kind of keeps me from playing it as like a a main state game. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm very much the same way. I, I think mechanics are one of the things I look for most in a game, and are one of the more important things to me. Yeah. So for sure, for sure. <laughs> uh, I I've been having a great time with it. Uh, I played it a bunch on PS4 um, already because it's free on uh, PlayStation Plus right now, and uh, we we played it right before this. Um, yeah, it's just so original to me because I, I like the um, I like the mechanics of a battle royale and how hard fought a victory feels. Um, and I have always thought games or uh, TV shows like Wipeout or um, you know similar similar things like that um, were really just funny to watch. And <clears throat> a cool thing about Fall Guys is that it's really fun, really fun to watch. Like actually, when you and I, when all of us were playing, right uh, in a before the podcast, there was a handful of times where we didn't even notice that all of us were out and we were all still watching the game because the game is formatted like a game show and those are just fun to watch. And there's these little jelly bean guys getting knocked into slime. I love that. I, I love the whole vibe of, of Fall Guys. And um, do I think it has like the staying power of Fortnite? Probably not. Um, do I think it's a game of the year contender? Um, absolutely not. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't want to have this conversation with you. No, I, uh, <laughs> I, as someone who played The Last of Us Part Two, I can't imagine another game reaching the heights that that game reaches, and uh, Fall Guys certainly does not. But I mean, it's I think I find it really fun. I find it really addicting in a in a way that I, I don't find a lot of games. Um, and well, it's like the battle royale so original. format. It's like, oh, I. I didn't win, so I'm just going to try again. And you just keep doing that on repeat. But Fall Guys feels a lot more bite-sized. Like, I don't feel like oh, of course. it has the emotional overhead of like, ah, I guess I'll play another Fortnite game and I might, you know, I might get close to winning after spending 30, 40 minutes and then just die. Or like Warzone or, you know, and insert any other Battle Royale here. It feels like, you said, like super casual. And I think it's nice. And I like that it's so... uh what's the phrase it's just so zany it's like uh it's not trying to make you feel any sort of way other than silly and i think that's really cool um a commitment to silliness mm-hmm. that, that that fall guys has yeah that's good thank that's you good that you like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's cool that's it's like a positive nice. thing to see on my on my feeds and it's like a wholesome <laughs> a wholesome uh game to watch in, in the way that like animal crossing is where it's like i think it's more fun to watch than play to be honest i i, I think it's a great stream game because uh it's is. it's it's something that that requires the the streamer's attention so it's not like an afk game but it also is so laid back that um the streamer can also kind of interact with the audience it's like a really great balance and uh i've watched my fair bit of twitch and it's uh it's difficult because a lot of games um demand a certain percentage of the the like streamer's attention and i feel like there's no point in streaming if the streamer's attention is 100 percent on the game but at the same time 
if they're not a, if they're not even a little bit paying attention to the game, then the streamer isn't interesting. So it's like you have to like strike this balance, and uh, I think Fall Guys kind of achieves that balance in a weird way. Um, so it's nice to to have like streamers on in the background who are playing it. Somebody that I've actually been having a lot of fun watching play uh, Fall Guys is XQC. Do you guys know who that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Our He's friend, uh, our, our friend John, <laughs> used to play Overwatch with him. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, he's <laughs> he's uh he 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 back when he was playing Overwatch, I actually didn't really like him very much. But I think it's because Overwatch as a community is very toxic. Well, and he's, he's also kind of, just a toxic piece of shit too. Yeah, oh, it, that's true. But um, <laughs> lately, I feel like he's turned that toxicity into like more comedy than anything it's very strange it's like you'd have to watch it to understand what i'm talking about i guess but his stream doesn't feel hostile anymore and anytime that he is getting pissed off it's very much he's very clear that he's just joking or like playing into it um when he was playing overwatch it definitely felt like he was being fucking serious about everything he was saying definitely felt a little bit more hostile and weird um but when he's playing fall guys it's pretty funny because he takes it he, he, I mean, he plays it up, but he takes it seriously, but it's also, like, entirely a chaotic game, so hmm. it plays to his strengths, I think. Um, yeah. 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 It's it's more difficult to watch people play the game, because I've watched a few people, a few different people play Fall Guys, and when they approach it from a, from a point of, like, oh, I didn't qualify, oh, well, I don't, that's, that's lame. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see people g- get into the game and try and win, you know. But that's mm, just how well, I, I guess in that and take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's funny to see somebody take such a casual game seriously. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. So like the entertainment value is there, but whenever you're taking the game seriously and failing at it, it's not fun anymore because it's happening to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's definitely more fun as a as a spectator sport for that reason, at least for me. Um, and now, I, at very at, when I first installed the game, I was definitely taking it seriously. And then when I lost one too many times, I was just like, all right, I get it. This game isn't intended to be serious. It's just goofy and I can kind of enjoy it now, but at the same time, it doesn't hit that spot for me. It doesn't hit that like, uh, I, I don't know. Every every game that I play has to have a little bit of a meta, has a, has to have a little bit of like an, a, a goal to achieve that goes beyond just beating it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like I have to beat it in the most efficient way possible in order to actually get my enjoyment out of it instead of like just trying to throw shit at the wall until something works. Uh, so it's, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird game to be, I wouldn't say it's a weird game to be popular. Cause it, like, like August was saying, it's very wholesome. It's very much a, 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 deviant from the norm of like the gaming industry because the gaming industry has definitely been leaning into the more competitive aspect of video games in the last few years so this is kind of like a a return to to form i guess of like the the mobile game era (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. that's a little bit more wholesome and right now with uh you know the world going to shit i can see why people would want to uh experience that instead of like having to worry about being good at something so uh yeah i understand but uh yeah and you can be a french fry you can, you can be, be a, a freaking french, french fry you can be scout from tf2 you can be uh half-life gordon you can be uh a soda Half-Life you can be gordon. a candy you can be a, a dinosaur you can be a different dinosaur yeah it's so much fun we 
Yeah, that, see, that's what I love about Fall Guys is that I feel like whenever I see people posting about it, it's just that energy on my timeline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm creeped out by that, by that energy. By, by happiness? Because oh. it, dis- it feels n- n- disingenuine or disingenuous. What's the word? It doesn't feel genuine. People are just pushing aside the pushing aside life. It's okay. Maybe they actually are happy though. Maybe. Consider that a dang. Cer- it certainly doesn't feel that way is what I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I think I have I think I have an uh a tendency to to overthink everything and I overthink when someone is is being some uh, being a certain way and I think to myself, what are you what are you hiding? <laughs> what are you hiding? <laughs> <laughs> so when you see someone happy about uh, jelly beans falling off of styrofoam. Uh, I say, what, discs. what, what are you, what are you using? What, uh, how are you using this to, um, like, uh, shove down the uh, the real problems in your life that you that you're not solving? It's like, um, could you be a little more depressed, please? No, no, I don't want them to be depressed. I just think that, I don't know. I it's I don't want to get too full, philosophical about fall guys. I'm just saying like <laughs> in general, in general, when I see someone like, I don't know, saying like positive vibes only, it's like, well, what like problems are you setting aside in order to just ignore, you know, because you just don't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? I heard Bin I Laden th- was like that. <laughs> I heard Bin Laden, he was hiding in his little bunker. I, I looked up a little bit more about it. Apparently he was also playing Pokemon Diamond. Wow. No way! Yeah, I was like, "Whoa!" I wonder what his team was. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> so he was, he was, he was, um, you know, he was blocking out his his negativity. He was like, oh, "I want only positive vibes only. I want only Pokemon. I want only Animal Crossing." It's a really good Ben Laden impression, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah cut that if, out. if you could find his his Pokemon Diamond file and tell me what his team was, yeah, I'll try. I'll have to fish out my. I still have a DS. I still have that ROM cart, and I guess oh. I could also just do an emulator. That might be easiest. But... Yeah, yeah. I briefly looked on on Twitter, and somebody tried to use an emulator to um, play it, his Wild World file, but it said he said that it didn't work. Oh mm. no. Okay, so I, at least I have my DS then. I don't yeah. know. If we can get Pokemon to work, we could actually battle each other with Bin Laden. <laughs> you could battle Bin Laden in Pokemon. Take him down once and for all. That would be amazing. That would honestly be like video worthy, I think. Pikachu, like... we got him. <laughs> Zykrom, we got him. Zykrom. <laughs> Isn't Zykrom? Oh, no, that's Zekrom. Pokemon black and white. You sound like, you sound like my mom. What's that one? Z- Zykrom? Uh, what's that one? Um, what's that one? What's the turtle one? Squirtle, mom. It's literally turtle <laughs> no, with squirt tur- at the beginning. <laughs> it's turtle's what's better the, than squirtle. I'll what's the turtle mind. that squirts water? It's squirtle, mom. It's Zykrom, mom. <laughs> <laughs> what's the dragon? It's Charizard. Yeah, I oh, like that one. That's one's my favorite. Actually, I think she's talking about Dratini. <laughs> actually um charizard's not even dragon type he's a fire flying he got a dragon type in x and y when he got his mega evolution uh yeah that is kind of fucked you know <laughs> what what is that charizard was never a dragon i understand dragons didn't exist back then no they did no there was dragon type in in the Trentini first gen was dragon yeah 
Dragonite, I think, was one of the only dragon types in the game, actually. Okay, Charizard is literally a dragon. Yeah, I know, which He's is why it was a strange. Fire lizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is odd to go back and realize like they they de- definitely missed out on it. But I could understand why they wouldn't want to make one of the starter Pokemon dragon type, which was literally the most broken. Well, not the most broken, but one of the best types in the game back when the first game game first came out. the The best type in the game is probably Psychic very early on. Yeah, it was like immune to Ghost or something ridiculous, like. I think the way it's the game is set up, Psychic is just the strongest type because it's better than any of the other stronger types you're going to face. Yeah. At least the YouTube video said that. I think they just, <laughs> they wanted to make Mewtwo really strong. So they were just like, let's make him Psychic type and then also make Psychic type the best type. Yeah. And then they made Alakazam and then you can catch an Al- <laughs> you can catch an Abra and then you can win. So But it's so damn hard to catch an Abra. They always teleport away. Oh my god, come back. <laughs> this is my reaction when an Abra teleports away. Um what? Uh I play uh, the earthbound music and then I have the black border and it says in Times New Roman at the bottom it just says what? How? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good meme. <laughs> It is one of my favorite memes of the of the current year of the current meta of current year the current yeah. meme meta. Mm-hmm. I, I think love my le- the current meme meta. It's it's very post 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 irony. Yeah, I mean it's, it's like almost, it's so not as many good as the rage face meta, but it's Matt, still pretty. Matt, good. Get out! You're fired. <laughs> it's like just circling back to to cringe. <gasps> that was me imitating a. <laughs> oh yeah 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 <laughs> this is me you're all imitating another one me gusta. <laughs> uh dude i actually i actually heard that osama bin laden loved rage comics yeah i heard he, he imitated the full one at the very end <laughs> <laughs> who's at the door um seal team six <sighs> what about rage face comic bin laden what about uh peter griffin Real life. When Peter. Um, <laughs> when Bin Laden got killed, he went fa fa, and then the uh, Seal Team C- Six said challenge accepted. <laughs> challenge accepted. Yeah, and then they they killed Guys, him. They this were is like one of the success. Memes. I'm gonna <laughs> Wait, what the hell? <laughs> what the? What is this? <laughs> like who? <laughs> fuck made that <laughs> what is this trying to say i don't give a fuck okay cool comic what is that funny <laughs> matt you have to put your shitty meme edited into the video so everyone oh, can I'm see how to. shitty it is <laughs> yeah um yeah but speaking of um osama bin laden uh this has been <laughs> stop with the memes <laughs> stop flash that These lol are- on screen for like a second these are all so bad. I'm trying to close up the goddamn podcast, Matt, and you keep showing me rage comics from when I was in fucking eighth grade. Try again. Okay, um, everybody, um, as you... <laughs> uh, as you were all well aware, uh, this... <laughs> stop, stop. I am being attacked. I am being attacked by cringe, weaponized cringe. Um, uh, this, this, of course, has been the Motion Pixels podcast. I'm your co-host, August Meyer. August, say goodbye. 
Big Gusta goodbyes. Uh, joined, of course, by my co-host, Matthew Rawlings. Matthew, say goodbye. Uh, and joined uh, graciously joined uh, wonderfully tastefully uh, just beautifully uh, also by uh, Uncle Dane Dane Kevin Cook Dane say goodbye true story (laughs) (laughs) stop stop (laughs) because this has been the Motion Pixels podcast please end it I got one more. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that actually makes sense. What's with the troll face in the top? <laughs> the, the troll face is a little sprinkle you need. <laughs>